Yeah, one sec. Uno, dos, tres. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Duck Gun Podcast. Home to all hunters, waterfowl, goose, and duck hunters alike. On today's episode, we are joined by none other than Matt Lazowski. <laughs> Matt Lee, <laughs> Matt Lazvonic of the Heavy Metal Duck Hunters in Nebraska. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good music, though, isn't it? Yeah, you had me for a second there. It sounded like podcast music. <laughs> it's uh, it comes installed on the the roadcaster, so. Oh. <laughs> That would be why I would use it, but I figure that it would not be very unique considering it is, uh, you know, installed on <laughs> generic. Yeah, All yeah, right. makes sense. I'll play the real one this time. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits, well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles and my co-host per usual. Well, I gave him the night off, actually. So uh, we got Matt with us, Matt from... It, it burns my lips to say it, but high prairie sportsman. How you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> why I got a? Why do I never get you know the full podcast uh, full podcast experience with you and Elliot on? Like I, it's always I just get Jordan. I'm is sorry. Elliot ducking me? Is he you're... scared or something? <laughs> no, it's usually uh you know you're just my uh, my go to for if I need a fill in because <laughs> I. I know oh, you'll, okay. I know you'll hop on and 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 jump on here with me. So I think at this okay. point you probably hold the record for the most uh, guest appearances. You know, somebody out there maybe they took a tally. I don't know. I don't I actually have no idea. But you, you have to be closing in on double digits. I don't know. Let's we'll leave one of the listeners. They can figure that out and <laughs> drop it in the podcast group. That would that would actually fellowship be, of the duck guns. That would be super cool to see like a guest list and see every like uh like a tally of every guest that's been on. So you want to leak like maybe whoever does it'll get a prize. You can like give them a hat <laughs> or something. I don't know. I'm I'm out of hats unfortunately. So that would be a good idea. But we'll give them one of Thomas's. Yeah, we'll give them one of Thomas's. I think he's out too. So. Hey, you have a hat. <laughs> I do have a few hats. People can go buy those on the Flyways Collective. If they want to yep. want some HPS hats. Oh yeah, awesome. So you've been out there hunting, man. It's a uh, it's a uh, three weeks in at the time that people are listening to this. But for you, you've only been two weeks into your hunting. Um, you know, before that, let me let me just I'm gonna give people kind of the prefix of the podcast. Um, we got Matt on tonight. We're going to be talking. We actually dropped a Q&A in the fellowship, so we got a bunch of uh, specific ans- questions. I've I've skimmed through them. I haven't seen them, a lot of them. I know there's a lot of them kind of uh, poking fun at both of us kind of deal because, you know, we, we always we have this back-and-forth rivalry that people get into, so it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so that's going to be some of the questions, a lot of duck hunting-related questions in there as well. Um, we're going to be talking about the 20K race a little bit. Um, but before we do that, let's go ahead. Let's hear about how your hunting season has started off. Yeah, uh, you know, pretty good start to the hunting season. I'd say September 1st, we had dove opener here, and I got 11 opening morning. Probably could have had a limit, but had to work in the afternoon, unfortunately. Then went out dove hunting a couple of times after work the rest of that week, and a uh, fellow flyway member, Josh from Outdoor Limits, came out. He hunted with me. We had a nice collab. Uh, he was out here for the teal opener as well. And I think we shot pretty much all limits every day he was out here on teal. And then followed that up with another two-man limit with my buddy Tyler and I on Labor Day. 
And then I went out after work and <laughs> worked my butt off for some teal and walking through like thick, thick, knee deep mud. It was some of the most grueling, <laughs> grueling hunting conditions I've ever been in, like just getting out to the spot. But it was crazy how they decoyed. I mean, I was literally hunting. There was hardly any water this one spot and just decoying teal right into decoy sitting on the mud, which was kind of cool. So that was that was fun. It was a lot of work, but it was fun. Yeah. And then I had. <laughs> I will say, I will jump the gun on one of the questions, but everyone, oh, we get this. I'm sure you get this one a lot, but um, why you don't have a dog? That's, man, that would have been a perfect place to have a dog so you didn't have to trudge through that mud and pick up those those ducks through the mud flats. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it would have been nice, but unfortunately I'll go ahead and just answer this one right now. So the reason <laughs> I don't have a dog is because my living situation. Cause you're a cat land, guy. And no, I hate cats. <laughs> I hate cats. I'll go on record saying that cats are terrible. Um, but anyways, uh, I can't have a dog due to my living situation due to my landlord. can't, doesn't allow dogs in the house. I'm, currently residing in so that's the reason there i would love to have a dog would not love to train a dog though i don't want to deal with any of that garbage i just don't have the time right now for that so if i got a dog it would be trained by someone else or it would just be a companionship animal not really i mean maybe it'd go out to the blind with me but i want someone else to train it. i just don't have the time right now so that's that uh continuing back on though uh, the next weekend of teal season, which we only have three weekends out here in Nebraska. So this upcoming weekend will be the last one. Hopefully can end it outright. But the last weekend, uh, John Lewis from just hunt club and his cameraman came out and hunted with me and they brought their dog out. It's a, it's a yellow white lab, I don't, whatever you want to call it. People get all technical on Blonde, that stuff. Yellow. Gold. I don't, <laughs> whatever it's, it was a, I'd call it a white lab personally, but they called it, its name was Riley, but they also called it Trisket, which is hilarious. But this dog was one of the most well-trained dogs I've ever hunted with. Like it would, you know, the whistle commands and like they, just to give you a little insight, they had their marsh stands and this, they could get this dog to stand up on the, mar- like stand on the marsh stand. And there's not a lot of room for a dog to do that, but it was able to do that. And it was just such an awesome, awesome dog to hunt over. And it found all our teal, found a couple we probably would have lost without a dog. And we so we shot a three-man with them uh, Saturday. And then the second day, we had a cold front roll through the morning or that night before. And it blew out a lot of our teal. So we only, only ended with like six between the two of us but still not a bad day of hunting so i'd say it's a pretty good teal season uh it's a lot better than last season um but yeah it probably about as comparable as uh teal season as your goose season is it looks like you've been doing pretty good on those oh yeah yeah definitely been having a ton of fun on the honkers but um yeah it's yeah we don't have the till over there some sometime i need to get out there until we actually talked about it when you're talking about how good your opener was and I, I got out Google maps and figured out like what my gas cost would be if I drove the bus down there. And I was, I was legitimately thinking about, it. I'm like, man, I could just ask my boss. I could take a Friday off. I'll leave on Thursday. I could drive halfway, sleep in a mall, uh, sleep at a Walmart and then keep driving, get out there and we'll hunt till, you know, and then I'll go home like Sunday you know, Sunday morning still after the till hunt. I'm like, I could, I could swing it. And then I started like figuring like gas prices and license and all that. And it was like, just gas price alone. I got to that. It was like, all right. So if I just drive there and back and nothing else with current gas prices and what my estimated, um, miles per gallon is on the bus, I'm like, I was like over $400. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Cause last year, man, it would have been like, it would have been like 150 bucks. You've been like, okay, yeah, 150 bucks. Let's go. But 400 bucks, you're like, mm, I'm gonna send this one out. So, um, well, now hold on here though. You said you were f- uh, factoring in licenses. Well, aren't you, I, I didn't, aren't you gonna already have to have a license for yeah, Nebraska? You're right. We already have one for the club, but um, n- 
that's all the further I got. Like I didn't, I did once it, once it was like 400, it was like $410 is what like it came out to when I ran the math. I'm like, that doesn't count food. That doesn't count like all the other things that you need to get there and back. So, um, that's all I had to do. Calculate gas, $410 for a two night, uh, till excursion. And I said, ah, I'm going to have to pass, <laughs> but I wanted to, because you, you have some awesome till hunts out there. Awesome scenery. I don't like to say it, but you know, Nebraska looked pretty cool. So, um, yeah, definitely. Like you said, a definite solid season for you out there starting it up and, um, you know, excited for you on that and glad it's uh, a little bit better than last year. (laughs) Yeah. Last year. I mean, it was still a dry year in Nebraska this year, but we just caught enough of the rains here and there that, you know, there was a few places that you could go and find them. And last year, it was just super dry. I mean, it was about the same conditions, but it just didn't rain in the right places last year. Mm. Yep. Well, you know, you're going to have years like that, and you're going to have years like this. So I guess it's just a numbers thing. It seems like Nebraska, you end up with more years like this than not, though. So <laughs> I don't know about that. We're not Kansas. Mm. Yep. Okay, I will. I'll, <laughs> I won't push you on that one because I know what I know what you're doing there. But uh, let's go ahead. Let's get a quick word from our partners, and then we'll jump into the nitty gritty of the podcast. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx, um, guys. I say it every time, but if you're not using Onyx and the people around you are, then you're 100 percent at a disadvantage. Um, it's never been a quicker way to figure out um, property boundaries, whether it's public land. Um, whether it's private land, you can have it right there at the palm of your hand. You don't even have to have cell phone service. You can download the maps beforehand, which is great. Don't forget to do that in trips I have in the past. And I'm like, man, all I need to do is download this before I left, and then I'd be good to go. Because you get in a no cell service, you can't see the maps. But anyways, it gives you the, the tax information for private land. You can go to their house, knock on the door, and you know one way or the other. If you get a no, you move on until you get a yes. Um, you know, And for public land... It helps you know where you stand so that you know that you're hunting legal areas. Check them out, guys. Onyx on the web or mobile as well. Android, Apple, they got it on all, all platforms and they link. So uh, definitely check out those. Next up, we got Motion Ducks adding lifelike motion to your set. Guys, I just got some black ducks. I talked about it. Now we got Matt here. But I got some black ducks that I can be throwing on the Motion Ducks decoy spreader. And they're my confidence decoys. They're way better than coots. So <laughs> so definitely check out Motion Ducks. Um, I run the Ultimate Spreader. They got the four, and they got that's the normal spreader, and then they have the Ultimate Spreader, which is two spreaders combined. It puts ripples through your sets, lifelike motion. Um on those no-win days, it is the key to success. It is a jerk rig on steroids. MotionDucks.com. Use code DuckGun2020 for 10% off on your Motion Ducks. You got, you got any uh, rebuttal, Matt? You got a rebuttal on that? My little uh, black duck? A cute comment. No, you're wrong, but that's all. I'll leave it at that. Man, I was saying, <laughs> I was saying that just for you, but... Um, I don't want to burn all our content. I mean, that's literally a question. Oh, it is. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I haven't skimmed through them all. Um, so next up, we got Banded Avery and gr- Greenhead Gear, which I just talked about on those decoys. But, uh, guys, season is here. The time is now. Make sure you have everything you need for for duck hunting. Banded is the one-stop shop from their waders, their camo, their dog gear. Excuse me. Um all the hunting supplies that you need. You can get everything from the banded greenhead gear, Avery, a wide variety of well-made, awesome duck hunting stuff. Check them out, guys, bandit.com. Also like to give a big thanks to HTR Innovations from the marsh stand to their A-frames. They got uh, layouts for layout lounges for either your layout, existing layout, or for a layout boat. Um, A lot of people are picking out those layout 2.0s for their layout kayak situations and they're perfect for that memory foam on the top and uh, solid closed cell foam on the bottom keeping you up off the ground keeping you warm and keeping you comfortable while you hunt check them out guys they have plenty of pro- plenty of products for the waterfowler over there at hcr innovations use code duckgun 10 for 10 percent off over there all righty um also like to 
give a thanks to Freelance Hunt Stats, which I'm a part of. So it's, it's kind of weird to say give a thanks to them, but um, <laughs> for their support, because that is uh, my and Elliot's project. Uh, guys, the app is coming for that. You can track all your stuff online. It is an online hunting journal, weather. It keeps your bird counts. There's a nice little leaderboard over there, which Matt is destroying everybody in right now. Um, well, I guess besides Thomas, Thomas is, you know, kind of putting a beat down on it. And, you know, the leaderboard's just for fun, but it's cool to kind of compare and see what everybody else is doing around the country. Um, but check them out, guys. It is FreelanceHuntStats.com. Right now, it's on the website, but the mobile app is coming soon for Apple and Android. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and jump into the main content for today. So let's, you know, let's just start, Matt, with a post. It was a poll, actually, that just popped up on the fellowship today. I want to kind of get your uh, your first reactions to, to yeah, seeing that. Look at this. Jordan's losing, has to try to... Bend the odds to his favor. <laughs> so we're reneging on the 20K race and instead doing the who's closer or who's leading the sub count by the first day of the collab. That, yeah, that was the pull on there. <laughs> how, wait, how is that bending it in my favor when you're up by like a good handful? That would give me less time to pull it off than more. Oh, there it is. Okay. So the poll was, it says, uh, <laughs> um, alrighty, fellas, it came to my attention that neither me or Matt are going to actually say n- him who cannot be named. Again, just kind of, you know, the the normal Jordan kind of poking fun at the situation. But we're not going to hit that 20K mark before the collab, barring some type of crazy viral video on one of our channels. So... Um, I brought you on the podcast tonight right now, Matt, to call you out again. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, my suggestion is changing it to the clap, man, because we'd have to wait all the way to the next year. And by then, we'll both be at like 30K or something. I don't even know. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> Will you be at 40K? I don't know. Who knows? A year from now, who knows? So are you going to accept the challenge or? I'll accept the challenge. I ain't scared. <laughs> we got to give the people what they want. That's where I'm at on this. So I, I mean, judging by what I saw from the poll earlier, I still can't find it. I found it. But... If you go to announcements in the fellowship, it's there. There's just been a lot of posts in there today. So. Dang all these people and their activity in our group. <laughs> <laughs> season, man. When it gets in season, everybody's posting. Uh, no, it's it's awesome the growth and kind of community we got going on in there. Oh yeah. Um so it's under announcements. Under announcements, oh. yeah. So so we're changing it right now. You guys are getting this first. We're officially changing it to November fourth. That, that's the first day we're there, right? So November fourth. I want everybody to be there at the collab. Is that the first day? Hey, I'll be there whenever. Okay. Let's just say at high noon, so <laughs> November fourth at noon on the dot. Whoever is ahead at that point is the the winner, and whoever's behind, they're getting their chest waxed. So we'll do the. We can't do a virtual handshake, but yeah, there it is. We're saying noon, noon, yeah, high noon, noon, noon local time, noon your time, yeah. Okay. I think I, well, I should be there by then. It would be kind of a shame if we weren't in the same place. Maybe we should put it, let's put 4 p.m. 4 p.m. That way we both are there for it. Let's call it 6. Then that way we should. Well, no, I'll be hunting until dark. Um, and so I'll be there with you. I'll, I'll be hunting with you. So we'll be at are least. Are you going to we'll, show up early and do an afternoon hunt? Yeah, I'm, I'm driving there the night before. So I'll be halfway there. Okay. And so I should be, I should be at let's, least there by the afternoon. Let's so, call it six. We'll call it six then we p.m. Find out who uh, who wins on the hunt. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> most there likely, most likely, one of us will be so far ahead that it won't even matter. So, but the off chance that it's close, it'd be cool to be you know sitting right there looking at the phone, watching it go back and forth. But yeah, so the new challenge for better or worse is going to be on November fourth. Um, I guess we can't call it the 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 twenty k mark anymore. The twenty k uh, 
race, the race to 20 K that's what we've been calling it. But, uh, um, the race to November 4th, <laughs> that's officially, we've it. got to come up with a, a better brand name than that, but the race give to us November a, give 4th. Us a little bit chasing November 4th. <laughs> May the fourth be with you. Oh, that's Wait, there no, you go. That's in May. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. So I yeah, I didn't even watch Star Trek. So. I will say the one that the one on the pool that did get some traction, which um, I'm glad didn't get all the way to the top, was if neither one of us is at 20k, then we both have to get our yeah, yeah, not happening. That's like uh that's like having a tie and just not having overtime in football. You know what I mean? Like you have to have overtime. You have to have a winner. So. I would rather be the loser than be tied, I would say. Yeah. So. Also, they must shave their beards. Darn. That's whew, I don't <laughs> know if I can one? do that. <laughs> That's part of it. It says both get their chest waxed and shave their beards. Oh man, I didn't see that. Darn, yeah. I <laughs> Yeah, Matt Matt Matt's facial hair changes faster than like the seasons, so which isn't very fast. I, I needed get, something I that changes faster than that, but it's <laughs> a terrible <laughs> analogy. <laughs> changes faster than, uh, <laughs> changes faster than, uh, I would say the score uh, score in a Nebraska football game, but that doesn't change very fast either. <laughs> it does for the other team. Bazinga. <laughs> All right. You can't hurt me if I hurt myself. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. Let's jump to some of these Q&A questions. So we dropped them in the fellowship, guys. For those of you that don't know, that is the fellowship of the duck gun. It is a group of like-minded duck hunters growing like crazy. I think we just passed the 6,000 mark over there in the group. So kudos to everybody joining in. And Matt and me are going to try to knock out as many of these questions as we can. So I will read them, answer some of them, and throw some of them to you. So let's start with we talked about the dog from Brian Matt doesn't have a dog because he's a cat person. I don't know. I think that once you have a dog, that you'll always hunt with a dog. It's just so awesome. But I get it. You have different situations in life. But when you get past it, someday you'll look back and wish you had a dog. I think. I don't know. I guess everybody's different. That's just how I feel about it. So um, next one we got up is Tyler Hunt. If you scout every place you're able to hunt and see no waterfowl, what is your next strategy? So honestly... I think that I can probably answer this way better than Matt <laughs> just because um, I live in a similar, more similar situation than, uh, than Matt does to you, Tyler. So um, I'm over here in Indiana, similar hunting grounds. I don't know which one's better or worse. I do know that in the Mississippi flyway, that Indiana is the 14th state for number of hunters and also ducks harvested. So um, yeah, I can be there right, th- right there with you. And my strategy has started to be, when I don't see birds around, I start to travel. I know that's not the situation for everybody, but I'm willing, if I don't see any birds, I can't find anything to scout, I'm willing to move to better grounds up to four hours for a weekend hunt um, if I have to. I don't like to. I start scouting and finding the stuff close. But, man, if you're going to put on all the time and effort and say that you can't drive two hours to, like, a better place or have better options, like, man, you're going to spend how many hours on the hunt? It's like, what's a little bit of extra driving before and after to make sure you get on some birds? So that is that is my um, next strategy. You can't help it if birds aren't there. You just can't. I mean, you're not going to shoot birds if no birds are there. And that 100% happens from time to time in the season. And we'll go in, in droughts where it feels like it's like that way for a month, which it it's terrible. I hate that. So um, hopefully that helps you. I would start, I mean, I know kind of, I guess I don't know exactly where you live, but I would, you know, He's go in towards, Ohio. I know, I know Ohio, but I didn't know exactly where in Ohio. So, um, I'd go up towards the great lakes. I haven't scouted enough to know. Um, but I do know that there's a lot of, I don't, I don't know if this is the right word, coastal marshes, stuff like that. Um, think just, just start branching out in the summer, start going to these places and figure it out. It's uh it's the long game for me. Um, if this year sucks because you have to do a lot more of traveling and figuring things out, but the next year's a little bit better and the next year's a little bit better. It's like if you can add one spot every year or one more spot to your arsenal, let's say, I mean, because you're going to lose a spot here and there too. But if you can gain two and lose one, you know, um, you're moving in the right direction. And just going, I want to add something real quick on that is, you know, just because there's no birds on there at those areas, because this, um, don't be afraid to hunt it 
you know, during when, when like a big cold front's rolling through, like right before or right after a big cold front's moving through, because just because birds aren't using it currently and they might not use it, you know, might not stick around at all. They might just be there for a day. It might be those migration days where it can be really good and then they're gone the next day, you know. So don't be afraid to, even though you're not seeing any birds, maybe try it once or twice and then just keep that in the back of your mind going forward in the future. Like, okay, when there's a cold front, birds might be here. Um, but other than that, what Jordan was saying about you need to need to put the miles on and travel uh, if you can. Awesome. All right, next we got Adam Bach. Libers, li, Libers back. <laughs> I probably butchered that, but Libers back. I don't. Libers back. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, when will the Huskers ever be good again? On Wisconsin, gotta ask. I lived in Nebraska six years and have a healthy rivalry with a bunch of friends. So, when will Nebraska be back to the glory uh, days? I, I wish I knew. Uh, that's the million dollar question. I don't. I don't know. The fan base here is really restless. Frost hasn't uh, inspired a ton of confidence so far, especially losing to Illinois this year. Uh, that being said, I do think it should be a decent game against Wisconsin this year. I think with their quarterback situation and with our defense, I mean, it could be a fairly close game. We'll probably lose, but it shouldn't be a blowout by either side. So I don't know when Nebraska will be good again, hopefully sooner rather than later. Awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, I know how it feels being an Indiana basketball fan. So very similar, very fim- similar uh, pain pain. So we've had, we've had some good spurts though. I will say that which Nebraska needs to, you know, give you some hope here. So Indiana's got a new basketball coach this year and, uh, I'm I'm in this I'm in the hope phase right now. We'll see what happens. All right, next up we got Matt, um, and he is asking why did Matt change his intro music? I change it every year. It's each year it has like a different. I don't know. I I don't want to call it a theme song, but it's kind of like a theme song. It's the same thing Elliot does. Yeah, it's new song for a new year. You know, one thing I've thought about doing is similar to that, but but even more like uh, subtitle. That's not the right word, but anyways, uh. Um, you know how maybe you heard this, maybe you haven't, but you know in Star Wars that every time there's like certain characters, they have like theme music per character. And I thought about doing something similar where it's like if I'm hunting with a certain person, the music for that hunt is like that way. So I have like a song for the people I hunt with and then see how long people till people picked up on it. <laughs> they probably never would. So oh, until I hear this. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they'll start listening for it, but I thought about doing that. That'd be pretty interesting. So, um, and then Matt, he has a second question, hunting honkers over water, not a small pond, ideal spread and smallest, smallest spread you would use. Um, honestly, the smallest spread I'd use is just like a handful. I mean, you can get away with a few, especially if it's like a mixed duck and goose hunt. Um, I've had where we've ran duck spreads and we're trying to call geese in and they keep circling over. They tilt their head. They're looking. They're looking hard. They just don't see it. And I feel like if we just would have had a few geese in there, those geese would have finished. So a lot of times, man, it's fine to just have a few in there. Um, if you're just purely going for honkers, it just depends on your transportation, motor transportation. Um, uh, if I'm running like a, a canoe or a kayak, you just can't take as much um, unless you got silhouettes and it's like a sandbar or a gravel bar. Uh, then I love adding the silhouettes into the spread. Um, but you know, beyond that, it just really depends. I think on big water, it doesn't hurt to have quite a few. So um, it just depends. There's there's a lot of different factors in there. What, what you got on this, Matt? Yeah, like you were saying, it really depends on the area you're hunting. But I've hunted big water, um, you know, doing, doing those mixed duck and goose hunts. And I always take just a pair of goose decoys just in case we do end up seeing some. And I've killed quite a few geese over them actually you know you'll get a single or a pair or even a small group of five, you know four or six of them come in and they see those honkers and they key into them and just dump right in if the conditions are right so yeah. you know i would say at a minimum a pair um if you want to specifically target them i'd go a little bigger i'd make a bigger spread and you know if depends if you're hunting like are you hunting a sandbar or are you hunting somewhere like deeper water 
it's all going to depend on like how much you can carry. And like you said, your transportation, because, you know, you don't want to drag a ton of floaters in there if you've got to walk or take them in a sled or something or a kayak even. Um, but if you've got mud flats or sandbars or something, then silhouettes or shells or full bodies can really, you know, add even more realism to your spread. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of add this. I mean, I only have, for floaters, I only have maybe two to three dozen, somewhere in there. Um, so it's like you can kill them with that much. You don't you don't need more than that. Um, and you obviously can kill them with a lot less too. So always situational on pretty much anything duck or goose hunting related. So I hope, hope we answered that question good enough for you. Um, then we got Brendan Crosby. Yeah, Brendan Crosby. What is your most useless talent you have? I'll say my most useless talent is I'm an excellent wood duck caller. Get it? Because they don't respond to calls, and that, that's uh, that was a joke. But yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. You got something on this, Matt? I I have no clue, honestly. <laughs> most useless talent. Most useless talent. Um, I I'm stumped on this one. Yeah, I'm too. I don't, I don't know that I, it'd take me a little while to come up with an answer for this. Maybe we can think about it and come back to that <laughs> one in a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jeremy mill Millie run, uh, man, I'm butchering these names. I used to have, when we did the Q and a Elliot could hit up these names a little bit better than me, but, um, sorry, sorry guys. I'm just going to butcher your names, I guess. Um, Texas rig weights slide or decoy slide. Uh, confidence decoys. Okay, so there's quite a few in here. So te- you got three. Yeah. Um, f- I'll just yeah for my uh, we'll just take them one at a time. Um, for my rigging, I use duck nuts actually right now. Um, they're pretty solid. The only issue I've ever had is in like super cold, but you just tie a knot. Sometimes they break at that little clasp. Uh, the little uh, what's it called? The the piece that pinches down on it. I don't know. I don't know what that's called, but. Anyways, I tie a knot on there and so that if it ever breaks, then I don't lose the uh, the duck nut off the end of it. But I like them. They're really nice, uh, tangle-free. You can slide the weight on and off with a retention system. So um, that's my go-to for that. What about you? I, I love Texas rigs. I run them on pretty much everything. Um, uh, for the longest time, I was using rig em rights and they're they're fine you know i was using those kits that they sell that you make your own lengths and stuff and those are decent but i just got the final approach custom riggings and oh my gosh it is such a game changer like i absolutely love these riggings because the difference between them and the rig rights is the final approach have like no memory so like the cords don't get all tangled up you know like and you mm-hmm. can tie them in a knot and make like a sling for your shoulder with them and stuff. It's, it's really handy and they coat the weight. So like it doesn't scratch up your decoys as much, but Texas rigs all the way. If you can afford it, you know, if you're hunting deep water or diver ducks, you probably aren't running those, but if you can, Texas rigs are so much easier in my opinion. Nice. Yeah. Flexible stuff. The same stuff is like a si- similar concept to the duck nuts too. So that's similar okay. opposed to like a hard wire or something like that. But yeah, um, we got confidence decoys as well, and do they work or worth the hassle? Um, I don't know. It just if you're on the X, you're on the X. You don't need them. Um, man, it's so whoa, hard to get into the mind. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's so hard to no, get into the conf- mind of a, a duck that has a brain the no. size of a pea. <laughs> it's like confidence decoys absolutely work, and they are absolutely worth the hassle. Coots, geese, swans—I don't care—or even other duck species confidence decoys are a huge component you know they, think they about, definitely like, make matt more confident we'll, we'll no. definitely can go with that matt's more confident whether the think ducks about, would finish or not if they weren't in there i don't know think about it like there you can go online and it's not just me there's tons of old timers out there swearing by the use of coot decoys and how they can pull in pintails or using diver decoys to pull in other species and maybe part of it is just added visibility or maybe it's because these birds are, you know, used to seeing these species in their area. Like teal, teal hunting, for example, teal love seeing coots in their area because the coots actually will rip up the weeds and that allows the coots or teal to come in 
and just eat up what the coots you know been ripping up for them. So it all plays a part in together. And if you can make your spread as uh, natural looking as possible, that's not going to hurt you in any way. And you know, like for goose decoy wise, confidence decoy wise, for geese, you know, those those ducks see the geese. They like geese. And if you have a goose come in, you can also shoot those geese. You know, it looks better to the geese as well. Where, like we were kind of just saying, if you don't have goose decoys, you're probably not going to decoy those birds. But I absolutely 100% believe in confidence decoys. And I, yes, they are worth the hassle, in my opinion. I'm still on the fence. I'll I'll try them more a little bit. I will say that I've definitely seen where birds are species specific. Like if you don't have a goose in your set. Um, And I've heard that a lot about like wood ducks or stuff like that, Elliot. Uh, a lot of times early teal would say um, he doesn't know, doesn't have necessarily whether it makes a big difference or not going with the teal specific, you know, um, opposed to like using mallard hens. So I don't know. It's just, for me, it's hard to pin so much thoughtfulness on a bird that has the, a, a brain, the size of a pea. So I don't know. I'm well, just, I'm, you hear- here you go. Why'd you buy black duck decoys? Or why'd you get black duck decoys? Because I want to shoot more black ducks, to be honest, but I don't know if it'll work or not. <laughs> I'll be but honest. The, bird, the birds have a the brain the size of a pea, you just said. Yeah, I'm saying that they can, but species specific, I'm more likely to believe that than a confidence thing. Like if they see a black duck, then mallards will land there. I don't know. I hope it works. I'm going to try it. So uh, I say I don't know. I'm, I'm still, the jury's out for me on that. So. Um, I'll say since I've ran coot decoys in areas where I see coots, I decoy more ducks. Yeah, see, we don't see, we don't see coots very often. We don't see black ducks yeah. very often. We don't see pintails very often. We see like mallards. See, all you got is mallards and wood ducks. Mallards so you can't really and wood ducks and teal and geese. Um, what other species are there that are going to instill confidence in those birds in your area? So maybe in your area they're not as important, but in other areas where those you know other species are present that birds associate them with safety that is where they would really play up a good part i guess i mean they yeah they see all different types of birds down the flyway though so i don't know well time I, i'm like i'm saying i'm not saying yes or no i'm just the jury's still out for me um was that the last of his i think so let me no he's had one more oh yeah yeah so the last one for jeremy here is if you had to switch local hunting areas with someone in the flyways collective for one season, would it? Who would it be? So I'll let you go first. Gotta be Elliot. Gotta be Elliot. I yeah. would love to hunt California, where like Titus is awesome spots away from all the people, but all the refuge areas and shooting birds at thirty plus yards. I don't want any part of that. But the so, cinnamon teal and blue wings would be sweet. So why but, uh, why Elliot, not Josh? They hunt like the same area, so <laughs> no, I know. I just said that's why I'm saying why Elliot. Not Elliot Josh. Well, Elliot goes out to those prairie marshes. I haven't seen Josh go out to like those prairie marshes, so that's why I said Elliot because those prairie marshes that Elliot hunts, are, I think, are really cool, especially for like teal season. Yeah, well, but if you, in if you reality, watch some they, of Josh's videos, very close. He, he would he actually hunts a lot of those marshes too. Okay, what a Kansas! <laughs> Kansas is waterfowl. I'm just mecca. giving. I'm just okay. giving you a hard time. So, so yeah. Yeah, no. It'd be Kansas, hands down. Yeah. I would I would say, like, if if I could, if the question was worded a little different, I just don't know if I want to live in Huskerville for, you know. But, like, if it was, like, if I could move the habitat and bird numbers to Indiana, you know. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. If that's the way the word, the phrase was. But, uh, no, I would say, I'd say Nebraska. I think that, uh, I I just think that, you probably have the most bird numbers as far as uh, anybody in the flyways, you know, and honestly, I I would go with anybody besides Thomas. <laughs> Poor Thomas. But for G- you I don't think want to G- shoot two mallards and one goose each day. Yeah. It's a uh, man. Atlantic flyway does not have it good right now. There is some cool stuff out there. I will say that. I just wish that their uh, bird numbers were a little better. Um, yeah. But I mean, he's, he's had some amazing hunts on his videos. So, um, you know, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. I think everybody can have good hunts here and there. Um, California would be super cool. The refuge system, I think that they probably would be like, yeah, if you had to live with it, you wouldn't think that. But um, they have a ton of birds out there, too. It's just a lot of pressure. Kind of puts them in a weird way. I'm really interested to see, though, what Titus does with his boat this year and how that 
changes their outlook yeah. on California. I think it's going to change a lot. But that is true. If I could go to like the north part of California where he's been um, going some more. Way, way to burn it. Is that burning it? I think it's not burning it. So um, everyone, if he's he's not hunting in uh, like the big cities, right? So um, yeah, if, if I could go to some of those scenic areas in California, that would be close. But I guess that's not his local area. So that wouldn't wouldn't go with the question. So I think I'd have to say that you probably have the best opportunities locally um for for a waterfall hunter and i will mention too i would probably be doing a lot of pheasant hunting i love pheasant we'll get you i, a pheasant I think i do i don't know because i haven't no, done it we'll enough. get you we'll get you a pheasant it's my goal for the collab to get you on a pheasant my goal is to shoot my limit of pheasant every day uh, i'll get you on a pheasant i'm not gonna guide you around pheasant hunting <laughs> When I can go shoot ducks. I mean, how long can it take though? We just like walk out the the back door, go kick the bush, and a couple will pop up. And it's not no; these aren't just <laughs> tame chickens that you kick and they barely fly. These are wild birds. I tried to go on last collab, and I'm still mad about it because at first you said you're going to come with me, and then you backed out, and then Elliot it's like a four hour drive. Elliot was mad and said like, "Why are you guys going to waste all this time going to chase chase after ditch parrots?" <laughs> I, f- I feel like uh people should be insulted by that because i was all right doug fowler asks how come jordan never learned how to put a hat on or maybe his neck is sensitive to the sun i don't know if that's like a an off way of calling me a redneck i don't know um but is is it because you always wear it backwards i think so i think that's what he's saying so um dang hippie <laughs> Hippies wear their hats backwards. I don't know. I think that I backwards know. hat looks uh, cooler than forwards. So that's well, why I wear the direction it of your hat bill is the direction of your life. I don't know who said that. But. <laughs> that's ouch. You never heard that? No. <laughs> that was a pretty common saying on East Campus. Huh. Never heard that one. No. I just like it better. Um, I will turn it around, like if uh, I need to, like for sun. But as far as like comfort, it just feels better that way. So, yeah, uh, he probably didn't want a serious answer, and we just gave him one. But um, Peter asks decoy setups: how to manipulate ducks to land in a specific specific area? How far can you pull ducks, and and how when you see them flying a long ways off, motion calling eck? So. Decoy setup uh, for me, I like to leave a big landing zone um, in my spread. So you, I'm not going to use letter analogies. A lot of people do that, but um, you can use uh, one of the arms that swings out as kind of blocker, and you want them to land in the open set. The, the thing about ducks, though, is that they will land in decoys. I think it works a little bit better with geese where they don't like to land over other geese, so they will land in the hole a little bit better. But for me, I always put my motion where I want them to land, whether it's the motion duck decoy spreader or a spinning wing decoy out there in the center of where you want them to land. I think the motion attracts them, and they will land there. That's kind of how you manipulate where they're going to land in your set. But, I mean, you can even do like a big clump and then just leave an area open. And also, obviously, you need to worry about the wind. So the direction of your wind, um, leave that all open so that they can fly in against the wind and land in your open set. So, uh, Peter, I don't know if you're how new you are to waterfowl. So I kind of went over the, the, the very basics on that as well. But, um, you want to, you want to add anything in there and kind of, uh, finish off his ending question too. Yeah, I guess I, uh, when I throw at decoys more often than not, or at least recently I've been doing more just little, I call them pods, you know, groups of three or four decoys here and there. Um, you know, it's, it's going to really depend upon what, what your hide situation is and just the kind of the area you're hunting. And if you've got full bodies and floaters or just whatever, I mean, there's so many variables that can go into a decoy spread setup. Uh, you, and I also try to, uh, match what i'm seeing when i'm out scouting you know just kind of how ducks are naturally you want to so when it's nicer weather you know when it's one of those bluebird days keep your decoys spread out a little bit more because that means the ducks are relaxed when they're when they're pressured they're gonna be 
uh, you know, they're going to be really spooky and see that and not land in. But when it's bad weather, they'll kind of hunker down, hunker together. Um, so that, that, you know, it's stuff like that, that you just got to keep in mind. And then touching on like the wind, I'm kind of curious onto your thoughts of this as well, Jordan. I, when I like to set up, I like the wind at my back because the birds come right in and, you know, you don't really have to put as much lead on them typically. Uh, I know a lot of guys that also, they don't like that because the birds are going to come right in and they're looking right at you, right at your hide. So if you don't have an immaculate hide or if you're moving or something, the birds are going to see that and flare off. So they like to do a crosswind shoot, you know, uh, what's, what's your take on that? Yeah, I've always, I've always, um, aired towards more of a, uh, in your face kind of approach opposed to the side wind. The thing I don't like about the side shoot is it feels like it's harder to control um, how far out they finish. And when I do side yeah. shoots, sometimes you end up with them finishing at like a 30-yard mark, opposed to like when you do um, a in-your-face, if they go to the left or right, it's still a close shot. Um, and you can kind of manipulate your, your set in a way that it, it centers them up, um, where it seems like it's harder um, if you do kind of an arm that's or, or ducks out, they could land on the other side of them, which would be the further side of them away from you. If you're trying to, you know, then you get out and you push your decoys yeah. in or you pull them in and try to get them closer. Um, I, I can see why there's reasons to do it. I just never, never do that as my first go-to. Yeah, but, same here. Yeah. But if I'm it. hunting a point or something that I have to where that's where my, where my height is, then I will. But I I think it's easier and better to do in your face. So. Okay, and then I guess following up his question here, how far can you pull ducks and how, when you see them flying a long ways away? That's an excellent question. Um, calling, I want to say that, you know, you can pull them too far with calling. Just that that sound won't carry the farthest, especially on a windy day. It's going to just get washed out. Motion, um, that's going to vary too. If you've got, you know, if you're hunting a sheet of glass and you've got like the motion ducks out there and you're pulling that, they'll see that motion. They'll see those ripples from a good, you know, a good chunk of distance away. Um, same with spinners, but spinners on like a sunny day, they can stick out quite a ways too. Yeah. It, 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 once again, a lot of this is just so variable. There's hard to have a definitive answer for anything on it. Yeah. But, I got some, some to add on that a little bit. So, um, yeah, motion, I will say spinning wings kind of from a distance, like you're saying, if there's some shine, you can get that from a, a further way. For me, the motion ducks and the, the kind of the motion, the jerk rig type style motion isn't really to pull birds further away. It's to finish them close. So the motion for me, um, maybe spinning wing, the flash can, can get you some of that, uh, birds attention from further away, but the motion you're set really is to finish them. Um, cause when they get close enough to see, Hey, all these duck decoys aren't moving. So um, that motion kind of helps you finish. Uh, as far as the calling, though, I, w- I will disagree with you on that, Matt. I do think you can pull birds from from far away. I mean, hundreds of yards with calling. There's a lot of days where it doesn't matter, though. There's a lot of days where they're just going to go where they're going and you call, and then you know you know everybody in your blind has said it at one time or another. That bird's on a mission. You know, they're just they're going from A to B, and no matter what you do they're not going to change their minds. And there's days where you're out there and these birds are searching, man. They're out there flying around and you give that call and they turn. And, I, and there's days where it's like every bird is like that. And those are, for me, those are some of the most fun days because you can call and you see birds 300 yards away and you call and they turn and come towards your set. Then if you have your decoy spread right, your hide right, everything right, then you can finish those birds. And those are some of the most fun days to hunt where it feels like you're affecting these birds and pulling them to somewhere where they weren't planning to be, you know, trafficking birds. Um, that some days they're just going from point A to point B and they already know where they're going. You can call, be perfect at calling everything. And it doesn't matter. They're going, they already know where they're going to go. They already know where all the other birds are, where the food's at, all that kind of stuff. So again, like you said, Matt, it's situational, but I, I will disagree. There is days Every year, and some of my favorite hunts, where it feels like my calling pulls the birds. Um, that's you know that's what I'm saying with these. It's just so variable that it's hard to say. I'm talking more like, you know, typically there's a there's some kind of wind out there when you're waterfowl hunting. Ideally, is what you want, and they're not gonna hear most calling 
you know, you have to get that high or, ball loud. I, just, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't like calling like that. I don't like the loud, aggressive calling styles. I just, I don't think I, I've ever seen it work, to be honest. I've never seen a high ball hell call work. I know it probably does somewhere or sometime, um, but most of the time they can hear just a regular old quack at 100 yards away, you know? Um, Honestly, I've tried just doing like a, a goose honk. You know, I'll have my pair of goose decoys out there and I'll just do a couple honks and I've actually had it work. Now, I don't know if that's just, oh, they looked and they saw my decoys and came in or what the deal was there, but, you know, because that seems like it carries a little more than a duck call but oh yeah and then we got matthew brown says best way to organize your hunting your duck hunting rig and i assume that he's is he, you think he's talking about a boat when you say a duck hunting rig what would be a duck hunting rig for you a truck a truck so but i mean people have a duck hunting truck usually people just have a truck so um well, no people just say it they call it their hunting rig you know okay well, you take it like you're going to organize your truck, and I'll talk about it like a boat, so we can kind of hit it up <laughs> either way. So, okay. Well, I have uh, a bunch of spare, sh- a bunch of boxes of spare shells for every gauge in my truck, so 12, 20, 28 in there, all steel, uh, in case you know someone needs some. So that's number one, and they're like stuck underneath my floor or under one of my seats. And then, you know, you got snacks and just shoved in, like, keep, the center console. You keep all binoculars. this stuff in your rig all the time? Yeah, you never know when you might need it. Okay. Poncho, like, stuff in case you need to change your tire. Just all kinds of emergency stuff. Spare clothes. I mean, you're out duck hunting. You never know when your truck could just be dead or you get stuck. And, I mean, could be in a blizzard, could be the middle of nowhere or some of the places I hunt. Uh, yeah. So it's better, better be prepared. And then, you know, you got the whole back end and you just load that up as best, best you can. Kayaks use ratchet straps and whatnot. If you're going to take a sled, throw a sled on there and put decoys towards the close, you know, towards the, towards the cab or even in the cab. If you have room up there, I, I don't know. There's no, I, <laughs> I mean, just, it really, it depends on the truck. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a it's such a um, a broad question. Oh, I think this yeah. is the most broad question we've had of all of them. We say it's all situational. It's like uh, it's kind of a funny question. So um, <laughs> I, I really, man, I don't organize in that way for my duck hunting rig. Honestly, it gets a mess really fast, and I just, I mean, I put the stuff I need in there. You know, waders. Uh, your blind bag, your gun, that kind of goes in the back seat. Depending if you got people, you know, you might have to throw it in the back. Um, got the gunner kennel in there, all that. But in case you're talking about boats, because I call that a duck hunting rig a lot too. A boat, I don't know. Um, I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I'm, I feel like I'm not doing a good a good job, Matthew, on answering your question. But a uh, duck hunting rig, you know. I don't know. It's too situational. I'm not. I'm not answering this one at all, uh, very well. But I hope that at least maybe our inadequacy here has made you laugh. Um, Jason, he asked a pretty unique question here. He says, "You have a big cold front coming due to hit on a Wednesday. You have four straight days to hunt. What day is hunt number one?" So he said, "You get to pick like the first day you get to hunt, right?" so you have four days straight to hunt Hmm. what would you pick that's a good question i guess it depends when wednesday like is it going to hit wednesday morning or is it going to hit wednesday afternoon yeah we'll just assume well for for sake of this we'll say it's it's wednesday morning you get out there and the cold front's already there i'd probably hunt i would probably hunt Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. And there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is just there's going to be less pressure. There's going to be less people out there because you're hunting all weekdays. Friday, you might see a few more people. Thursday, you might see a few more people too. But typically, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, not going to be a lot of pressure. Friday, you know, people might have off. They might take off for a weekend trip or whatever. So that that's one. So you'll have more opportunities to be by yourself in the marsh. 
Number two, if we're assuming a Wednesday morning cold front coming through, there might be some birds pushing ahead of that. So Tuesday, I don't know, maybe I would hunt all, I'd probably hunt all day Tuesday. Maybe if I had to pick just half a day, I'd probably hunt noon till sunset Tuesday. Try to get those birds as they come in right before. And, you know, they're going to be looking somewhere to roost, somewhere to set down wait out this storm especially if it's bringing in some weather too if it's got rain with it or snow or something or wind even um and then after the cold front you know it it's gonna just be crazy after that oh yeah yeah honestly i I think i'd agree with you i would go with the tuesday and one thing you kind of didn't mention on there i feel like you know a lot of times you have to be in the marsh Elliot calls it like when you're being in the marsh, you're you're watching it breathe, um, and you just get in the marsh. You kind of learn it, especially if it's an unfamiliar area. Even if it's familiar, though, you're gonna see what the birds are doing. You're gonna see the places they want to go. And as that cold front comes in, that's only gonna multiply. So it's like you go out there on the Tuesday. Maybe you hunt somewhere that uh, is somewhere that you're you wanted to hunt, but you can see a lot of different areas. So. Then Wednesday comes, you're going to know the pods, the birds are going in, all that kind of stuff. And it's almost a hunt scout. You're out there in the marsh. You're learning from that situation. And then Wednesday comes, you got a really good idea of where to go. That cold front pushes in. More birds come into those spots that they're already using it. And, you know, it really helps you from there. Like you said, a lot of the other things are very true. Less pressure on a Friday than a Saturday, that kind of stuff. Um, so, so I definitely agree with agree with you on that as well. But I think for me, maybe the biggest thing is having that Tuesday scout hunt with, you know, added potential birds coming in ahead of that too. So, you know, you might have a worse Tuesday hunt than you would have if you just started on Wednesday. Um, but you'll probably have a better Wednesday hunt than you would if you started, you know, having that Tuesday experience to kind of get you in the right spot. So yeah, that's kind of what I would do. That's what I would do on that one. All right. And go, go ahead. And I was going to just add on if you're hunting like that Tuesday evening and you're you should even if you don't shoot any of those birds, you know, you're out there, you should be able to see any birds that are coming into the marsh ahead of that front even if they don't come there before legal shooting. So that you know, it'll give you a better idea of the bird numbers as well. Oh yeah, for sure. All righty, Chase Mahoney says you guys planning on coming to hunt california at all um man i talked to titus about it a little bit i really want to get out there um for me it's just time and money uh, but i will i know i'm going to make it out here one of these times i mean we were talking about potential plans to make it happen and it's just not going to happen this year um but one of these times for sure like i said some of those scenic areas he gets to i know he had i think it was the one i reacted to this year um some super scenic wildlife. I mean, they had pheasant, they had mule deer walking through the marsh, birds busting up in the mountains. It's like, man, I didn't even know that existed in California. So, um, yeah, I mean, everybody, when you think of California, uh, unfortunately you think of, uh, <laughs> some other stuff, not, not the, the hunting stuff that they got in, in the good areas. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to get out to California too, just to get you know like a nice a nice mature spoonie and a nice cinnamon teal and a nice uh, blue wing teal. Basically, I'd have a nice taxidermy bill if it, you know coming back with me if I hit it the right time. I, but I think I can answer this question for Matt. Getting Matt to leave Nebraska is like pulling teeth. I've like all but begged him. I'm like, hey man, like come hunt with me. We'll go to Michigan or like we'll meet like halfway hey man, somewhere. Come hunt. He's like, leave Nebraska for Indiana. It'll no, be awesome. I'm, okay. I've said like, we can go to some cool places. I'm not saying I know that Indiana, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not the dream destination, but I'm something like, let's trade hunts. Come meet me at one of my cool places and I'll come meet you. And he's just like, no, no, nah, I have no interest in hunting with you. Whatever. I tried <laughs> to hunt Michigan with you this year and you turned me down. You, you waited too long, man. I already had plans that weekend. So. Anyways, getting Matt to leave Nebraska while Nebraska season's open is like pulling teeth. It's just not going to happen. It could be like, hey, you want to go on this full paid guided hunt to Alaska and we're going to have the hunt of our life and be like, mm, you know what? I think I could actually uh, 
shooting some gaddies here in the sandhills. So no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'll pass. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I think we, we hit up all the questions. So thanks everybody for putting those in. Thanks Matt for joining me for another episode of the duck gun podcast. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah. You know, best of luck to you in the season as it's coming in, it's going to be coming in hot and, you know, may the best man win on this challenge. We've been doing it for a couple of years. It's been a blast. We definitely have some friendly camaraderie and, uh, you know, uh, rivalry, you know, and we do, we get after it a little bit in the comments and all that. It's all fun and game guys. Matt's an awesome dude. Uh, honestly, one of my lifelong friends at this point. So, uh, you know, don't think it's all serious when we're we're ragging on each other. It's it's all fun and games. Some, some people do think it's like we hate each other. Or like Jordan just likes to be mean or whatever it, it is. It's just I in do, good fun. I do enjoy it though. I do. <laughs> I mean, it is fun, but some people think like we're just seriously just hate each other or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's fun. All right, you got any closing words, Matt? Uh. No, just be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, check out my channel, High Prairie Sportsman. Help me beat Jordan. We'll uh, sh- we'll wax a big N into his chest for Nebraska <laughs> if I win. Man, you're making my editing job a little harder. I'm gonna have to jump in there, edit this out. No, I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, yeah, no, definitely check out Matt on all his platforms. You know, maybe not just one specific platform. You could wait TikTok. on that one. No. <laughs> But yeah. Alrighty, let's go ahead and close this one out. I'm Jordan from Deccan Chronicles, Matt from Hyper Sportsman, and we'll see you guys on the next one.